What's going on, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, uh, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. Welcome into our show, bringing you daily Florida Gators coverage. I'm joined by my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him on Twitter at Demetrius82, as well as myself. You can go follow at Zach underscore Goodall. Most importantly, if you never want to miss an episode of our show, make sure to go and follow at Locked On Gators. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? I hope you had an enjoyable Tuesday podcast and, you know, you listened to us. Or Actually, it would have been Wednesday. My apologies. I forgot that we didn't record on Monday and Tuesday. Regardless, I hope that you enjoyed yesterday's podcast, and I hope you're going to enjoy this one. We're going to be talking a lot about LSU, you know, LSU week against the Gators. It's going to be interesting to see, but they've got a lot going on, don't they, Zach? Yeah, they really do. Uh, that. We're planning on talking about a couple of different things in this show, obviously starting with all the news that has come out uh, with LSU on Wednesday, uh, as well as trying to preview this upcoming game, Florida's regular season finale. Uh, it's going to be senior night. There's a huge legacy for this class. Uh, Kyle Trask obviously leading the way towards what could be a college uh, football berth if they win in the SEC championship, that being the college football playoff. Uh, we'd like to get to that. We'd also like to get to some talks about the defense and communication errors, what Todd Grantham has to think about it. However, this LSU stuff, with it being LSU week, is complicated. There's a lot of stuff coming out of Baton Rouge, and it, it's just not a good look. And quite frankly, it, it's just not something that anyone could have seen coming, considering how successful this Tigers team was a year ago. But, I mean, we've seen seven players opt out now, the tight end five-star Eric Gilbert being the latest. Uh, there's rumors that he is looking to potentially leave and transfer. Um, whether that will come to fruition or not, we're not sure. But we know that LSU is currently fighting to keep him, uh, as the reporters have said. And he just joins a long list of players that have opted out throughout the uh, season. We've seen two receivers in Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall most recently opt out, virtually leaving the Tigers with no weapons. I mean, we're anticipating this game to be a blowout for Florida to finish the season because LSU just, they struggle to score. This offense and the defense is even worse, but the offense is just so bad and it's missing all of these pieces and they just keep losing them left and right. They really do. I mean, it's it's just been an incredibly difficult season for LSU this year. Obviously, the opt-outs, the transfers, like you said, they've had seven thus far in, in terms of opt-outs and transfers. Uh, a couple guys, star players, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, who was the second most recent guy behind Gilbert. So it's just a crazy uh, season for them. And I think that the biggest thing about Gilbert opting out is – you know, he's a freshman. He's not a guy who's, you know, going to the NFL draft next year. He's not a guy who's already figured it out. He's just a person who uh, needs a few more years. And if he doesn't get that, then maybe he's going to transfer and play somewhere else. It's just going to be interesting. They're already trying to fight for him to stay. Uh, this is, it's not a good look really for LSU this season. And I understand that there's a lot of COVID protocol issues and people are, you know, worried about the long, grueling season. But what a fall from grace, in my opinion, right, Zach? I mean, just it, it, it's crazy how, how they go from the national champions, probably the best national championship team that we've seen in a very long time, to uh, basically a, a barren football team in the SEC. Yeah, exactly. And, and you hate to see a program fall apart like that because it was fun to see LSU in this 
transformation of an LSU football team from what was known as like a true SEC team, a great run offense, great defense, and they got innovative. They changed the game in the SEC with Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, and a great passing game last year. And it, it just crumbles within a year. And it looks like it possibly could <laughs> yep. have even gone back to before the season. Uh, sources mm-hmm. told The Advocate uh, in this report that's been coming on, it's it just kind of continual of the things that are coming out of LSU, uh, that there was stuff going on before the season. Uh, amid national yep. play, uh, protests with police brutality, obviously they've dealt with their own COVID issues as well throughout the year. And it just seems like, at least according to this report, team morale has been low there have been team meetings, uh, miscommunications between the players and the staff dating back to before the season really even began. Yep. Yeah, it really did. It began, you know, obviously uh, during the spring and a little bit before, you know, all, all the, the summer during March, April, May, June, kind of. There were obviously a lot of social justice issues that were brought to the forefront of college football players, you know, uh, the, the, the the NFL players, athletes in general around the the United States were protesting, you know, because of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and multiple other people who were slain by cops. And then th- this kind of protest led to more um, outspeaking from from college athletes, which, you know, obviously it, it, it's a it's a crazy subject to touch on. I mean, it's something that er- it needs to be talked about. And it's it's good that they were able to have their voices heard. But that that's sort of where it began. According to this article, it says, you know, players had their own private meeting or they were expecting to have a private meeting. They marched by themselves to the president's office. Ed O didn't know about the meeting prior, but joined them later. And when he joined them, you know, it says according to sources who told the advocate that there was some conflicts. There were angry people on both sides in terms of Ed, Ed O and, and the players. And one player or some, some source did say that the, there were probably some mishandlings on both sides in terms of how Ed O handled it and how the players handled it. But if you look at it, uh, some, some players probably didn't feel right about what, whatever was said in that meeting. And then look at three days later, Jamar chase ops out. Now I'm not trying to say, or put two and two together that chase ops out because of this meeting, but who knows how, how it could have impacted people. And I think that that's the biggest thing about this mm-hmm. entire situation is, you know, how, how this program is being run, where the culture is at this point, and uh, right now, I'm I'm not sure. I, I would say it's probably fragmented. Well, specifically with players apparently t- saying, as as sources here, that they left the meeting feeling that Orgeron was not supportive of the causes that they were fighting for uh, in right. those protests and what they were talking about. Right, exactly, and and that's not something that you can. Uh, leave a meeting, especially as a leader of men, a leader of a football team that, you know, obviously most or a large majority of the football team is African-American or, or black. It, it It's it's something that's going to be a, a, a subject that means a great deal to all of these athletes. And so uh, for, for them to not feel like their voices were heard, I think that that would obviously cause some sort of rift. And, and I, I guess we'll see ultimately what the outcome is, but uh, for now, it, it it just seems as though this is kind of going spiraling downhill, and then not to mention the sanctions that we're about to talk about. Yeah, they self-imposed a one-year bull ban. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as if it would have really done much. But anyway, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that does it, it goes back to stuff that we've seen throughout this year. The Odell Beckham issue, where he gave out uh, money to players after the national championship game, some recruiting issues, and stolen money. I mean, serious stuff no doubt, but 
sure. again, it seems like there's a lot more new stuff that's rolling out. And of course, just as that happens, they also slap this bull ban on themselves. Right. It kind of is like burying the news or a little news dump to try to get ahead of that. It, it feels like that to me, but uh, who knows? That's just speculation. But I feel if, if you look at the, the, the bowl, if you look at the bowl game ban, it, it's interesting. I mean, obviously this year it's a little different. You know, there's no requirements for having a bowl game. So they would have been bowl eligible. They would have been playing in maybe some, you know, whatever bowl, they, but it wouldn't have been a good bowl game. So it's a great time for them to self-impose the ban and kind of get rid of the season right after Ole Miss. I mean, it is what it is. Um, it, it, I, I'm just curious, Zach. Uh, do you think that Edo is is gone if they lose the next two? They go three and seven. Uh, how can you salvage this? I don't know how you can. I mean, it, it's I feel of, like mm-hmm. they they obviously they extended Edo. He, he's got right. it would cost a lot in a pandemic. Um, yep. All of those looks at the same time, the stuff that is being that you know he's being accused of if it. If there's something really to that, that's stuff that be- ends up becoming cause. Uh, it ends up being yep. something that the university can't have, especially in the position, like you said, where he's the coach of so many African-Americans himself. It's mm-hmm. just not a situation that, especially in SEC school, you know, you can get away with it at some schools, I guess, more than mm-hmm. others. But I don't know how even LSU would be able to deal with that at this point. I I don't want to speculate that Edo has gone, but sure. you would have to do a lot of uh, looking in the mirror, might, I guess, if you were going might, to keep him around if all this stuff ends up being true. Right, and and, and it's not only that. It, it, it doesn't always have to be about you know the what, what happened in the summer, but it could just be about the direction of the program and where it's headed. I mean, it, it's such a large rift, a large fall from grace. Perhaps they can give this year as a mulligan just due to all of the craziness that's happened, the COVID outbreaks, everything that's kind of gone on. Maybe this year can kind of be wiped off the record in, in, the, in LSU's mind in terms of Edo and retaining him. Obviously, they're going to have to make some changes defensively as, you know, we've heard or we've seen how, how bad the, this uh, LSU defense can be. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I personally don't think that he would get fired, but you're right. It, it depends on if this stuff comes to fruition a little bit more and a little bit more stuff happens. I mean, they might be forced to do so. But, I mean, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves at this point. The buyout um, for we're year just gonna one be... would be $27 million. Year two, 21. Yeah. Year three, 16.8. Year four, 12.6. Right. And then it gets into the single digits for the final two years. So, yeah, it... <laughs> It, we are getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but it's 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 not great. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> even if even even if we are getting a, like a one year ahead of ourselves, I mean, look at the direction the program's heading. I mean, do we really think that next year all of a sudden they're going to be right back on top? I don't. I, no. Personally, I, I just I see this LSU team. I see the locker room. I see people leaving. I see how much damage that this year has caused to this program, and I'm not sure how they could recover uh, within just a year. But I mean. We have a crazier week things until, have happened, we'll see. We have a week until early signing day. It's one thing's for sure is we'll need to keep an eye on what happens with the class. I don't know. Mm. I mean, we there I'm not leading with anything that I know, but seeing this type of stuff happen, kids are making a huge decision here. We've seen classes fall apart when coaching staffs change. I mean, I guess you can kind of expect some shuffling if people are truly worried about this too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess we'll find out. I guess that that will be the first indicator of the direction of the program and how detrimental this season truly was. If they if they end up getting all of their recruits, everybody signed and ready and, and willing to go, then maybe they're going to give them. Well, I should say, obviously, next year he's probably going to stay. Let me just say that. But 
if, if if the recruiting is is good, then maybe we're you know thinking a little bit too far ahead into this season and how damaging it truly is. Because if you can get that recruiting class on under and signed, then maybe everything can turn around a little bit faster. You'd certainly hope so. Uh, last thing we want to see is LSU become a bottom feeder within the conference. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a team that is certainly not a bottom feeder in the conference. It is Florida. It is a team going to the SEC championship. Thanks largely in part to this senior class. What's been a really great group of seniors led by Kyle Trask. It's going to be a lot to celebrate. We'll be talking about them after these messages. Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill, watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste. It makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So, Demetrius, obviously Kyle Trask is the headliner, but... I mean, we've got nine players that have uh, that have accepted bowl invites uh, in the postseason for draft prospect uh, bowl games. That being Trask, safety Sean Davis, wide receivers Kadarius Tony and Trayvon Grimes, uh, edge Jeremiah Moon, who's not really been available too much as of late. However, he is a contributing senior. Uh, the Shrine Bowl, which isn't going on, but they still sent out invites. Two offensive linemen in Stone Forsyth and Brett Heggie. Defensive lineman T.J. Slayton and safety Donovan Steiner. So that's just a few yeah. representatives of what's truly a great <laughs> senior class. We don't want to even get too far ahead as to worrying about it for next year because we got a couple games ahead. But this I mean, Stone Forsyth was even talking about it the other day. They want to leave an imprint um, as the team that got through COVID and started winning for this team. Yeah, I mean, this is a signing class. Like, if you look at that 2017 recruiting class, I know that uh, Will Muschamp is not well liked around the the the, the Gator parts, and 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 Jim McElwain surely isn't. So it's just an interesting perspective to see how you know the past classes from you know both eras really, you know, how much that they've imprinted on this team and and sort of you know ran with it you know jim mcelwain's class being the most recent from this senior class i guess you can say so it's going to be fun to see them go out i know that this isn't the senior night that they all expected i know that um kyle trask probably would rather go out with uh, 90,000 in the crowd and and this is it you know uh he's going to the nfl draft now i will say you know someone asked him are you going to come back next year? You can. And he said he's not going to talk about that or think about that until after the season. I think we can all say safely he's going to enter the draft. But either way, this is a, a team that should have been uh, fighting for for something more. And I think that this senior class really epitomizes that. I mean, just look at these these guys, even, even guys who aren't necessarily seniors, like a Zachary Carter, who's a redshirt junior. He was still a part of that 2017 class. And, uh, and, 
Kyle Trask part of the 2016 class. It's just it's just going to be great to see you know how far they've come and and obviously the imprint that they want to leave on these younger players is that you know look look at how hard we fought, look at how how much we've we've sacrificed, and look how much we've gained. And now you're in the SEC title game and potentially more. I hate to put you on the spot, but if you were to think of one senior on the roster this year beyond the Kyle Trasks and the Kadarius Tonys perhaps, but a guy that maybe is a little bit underappreciated but is super important uh, for this class, yeah. who would it be? I mean, it it this is going to sound like a cop-out answer probably, but Stone Forsythe, I mean, he's been the rock of that offensive line. If, if you don't have a guy like Stone Forsythe who's who made in, incredible gains from even just last year to this year, if you don't have him on the team this season, you know, you have a – maybe a younger guy over there or even a Gene DeLance having to switch over or whatever you want to say. If he's not there, he's not the rock and you're getting pressure on Kyle Trask. We might not even see him uh, as a Heisman front runner. I think that he's that important. I think that it's always going to be an underrated position. The offensive line, you only really hear their names called when they make, when they make a mistake. So uh, he's a guy that hasn't really been talked about too much. You know, we've talked about him a couple times, but uh, it, it's kind of been a forced issue more than anything else. It's not something that you're not you're going to hear about him every single week. But week in and week out, this guy has played his butt off, and I think that that's a credit to him and, and his work ethic. And I think that he's going to have a successful career pro- potentially in the NFL. Yeah, you don't often stumble upon good pass protecting six foot nine left tackle. Six foot nine, man. Yeah, the dude's crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it in the trenches. I'm gonna go Kyrie Campbell. Uh the defense okay. defensive coordinator Todd Grantham has been pounding the table saying he's basically been what's changed this defense. Ever since he came back, the defense has been way better. It's been more consistent, uh, as he said uh throughout this week. I mean I guess that's a good thing. It could be an issue when, mm. when Kyrie Campbell leaves in the future. But, hey, if you're willing to go to bat and say that he is what saved your defense, and that's going to be tested, obviously, uh, against Alabama if they make the college yep. football playoff, their defense will be tested. Kyrie's importance will especially be tested. And if it pays off, then, yeah, more power to Kyrie. He's one of the guys that needs to be honored uh, with the most praise come Saturday right. night. And, and and I think I think you kind of hit it on the head where like it's kind of weird. Kyrie Campbell's not really getting as much uh, love in terms of the Senior Bowl, you know that that kind of thing. I don't yeah, think he, he doesn't have an invite accepted at least publicly to that or the Shrine to Bowl. either. Right, and the Shrine Bowl is not even happening, so it could just be like you know sending him an invite just to send him an invite, but they haven't done it at least from from what we know. Obviously, like he ha- he has to accept it and then it'll be made public. But from what we know, he hasn't gotten one, so it's just weird because. Um, you can see it on the field and you can hear it from Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen and, and all these guys that how much of an impact Kyrie Campbell makes on this defensive line. And yet he's not being appreciated. So I, I think that that's a really good one to choose. I think that this is a, a the season of Kyrie Campbell. It's kind of interesting how much uh, Todd Grantham like, likes to say that he's the guy, especially when, you know, you don't even bring up his name and he'll just say, you know, when Kyrie came back, we were able to do this, this and that. You're right. Next year, when Kyrie's not there, what are they going to do? You know, if he was that important, then ne- I'm kind of worried about next year. But I guess we'll we'll have to talk about that later. But um, it, it's going to be an interesting senior night. I, I'm excited to 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 watch them. Obviously, go out. It's not going to be the same, but their names are still going to be called. Their families are still going to be there, and their legacy will still be fulfilled. When we're going to come, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about Todd Grantham. Uh, communication errors on the Gators' defense. 
is it as big a deal as it seems, as everyone makes it out to be on Twitter? Todd doesn't really think so. After these messages, we'll hear what he had to say. Before we discuss Todd Grantham, we want to let you guys know that the wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here, and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, plus waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Demetrius, let's go ahead and get into it uh, with Todd Grantham's defensive unit. If there's been one complaint throughout the year, because we've seen things, even if it's been a little slow to do, we've seen things get corrected over time. But people have still mm-hmm. noticed and called out the issues with communications, where it seems like Florida struggles to line up before plays. Mm-hmm. We we see it. I personally don't think it's as bad as, for example, the Vanderbilt game in games before that. I do think it's one of the issues that has gotten a bit better, but it still does pop up. Uh, would you agree? I mean, it's an issue. It's an issue, and I think that uh, as the season has drawn on and in the the past few games that have been played, I mean, over the past three games, the Gators haven't allowed more than 20 points. Uh, I I think that the defense has responded very well. I think that they played very well, aside from maybe one to two drives a game, uh, maybe even only just one drive a game over the past three. So I don't necessarily think that there there is much of an issue in terms of the overall defense, but I will say, you know, if you're going to nitpick because of Alabama coming to town or I guess both of them going to Atlanta, it's going to be interesting to see if if that miscommunication issue does pop up because you kind of almost have to play perfectly. And I think that that's the biggest thing you guys, you the fans kind of are harping on and why you're so critical of the defense is because you know how much of 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 an offensive firepower uh, Alabama is, and and you're going to have to play perfectly against them in order to match or in order to slow them down. So I will say the miscommunication, you know, we see it a couple times. It, it did happen on that last touchdown a little bit, although uh, Grantham did say that it was a different situation. There's a little bit of tempo in that situation. He would say it's a normal play, but uh, it's just running the last play of the game kind of deal or whatever he's talking about in terms of the the, the, the situational uh, perspective of what happened it wasn't necessarily something that is something they're going to have to correct over time because it was just that one specific play so right i guess and, we're going to end up fairness, seeing we also talk about it it, it was garbage time i kind of went on right. with that in my takeaway story because people were still really trashing the defense for what happened in garbage time but that's exactly what it was yeah it was <laughs> it, it wasn't garbage time and there's nothing you can do about that at, at some point so i mean i don't know I don't necessarily think that it's going to be the huge issue, but it is an issue that people are going to notice. Not according to Todd Grantham. Uh, his his <laughs> nope. specific quote when he was asked if there are issues with lining up and communications was, mm, nah, I think that you're never going to have a perfect game, Demetrius. Uh, as you say, fans do expect that, and you understand at least why they want to mm-hmm. see it, but he does have a point. You're never going to have a perfect game. He, he continued... Mm-hmm. There's always going to be an issue here or there, but I really don't think there's been an issue with that. I guess that's fair. (laughs) I mean, it's a little bit in between, right? I mean, he's right. They're not going to have a perfect game. I'm sorry to say, uh, Gator fans, everybody, 
including myself, I would want to see a perfect game too because it would just be fun to watch a good team play play well. That's just what you want to see as a person watching a game. So I understand your frustrations, but there's not going to be a perfect game. I understand also that the expectations for this Gators offense and the Gators defense is completely antithesis of each other in terms of what the expectations are from not only the players and the and the fans and the coaches, but just just in general. It's crazy to see uh, how the how critical they can be of the offense and then the defense gets a lot of excuses, at least from my perspective. So I do um, agree. It it. it, it it is going to be interesting to see what they're going to do, and I, but I do think that it's a little bit in between what Todd said and then what um, people are uh, harping on in terms of that lining up issue. You'd hope, I mean, with how critical they've been on the offense, that they'll have a plan that they can come out and execute perfectly because it will come down to, with Alabama, can be that one play. If Florida's even able to match yeah. scores from start to finish, it can be that one time. That 13's got his eyes stuck in the backfield looking for Najee Harris, and Devonta Smith gets right by him. Absolutely. Yeah. And Devonta Smith is is one of the guys who might, you know, he he's not going to win the Heisman, but he has Heisman-like numbers, and so we're going to see what, what happens. It'll be fun. We'll be breaking that down a lot more next week. However, we still do have this LSU game, so make sure to stick to stay tuned to Locked on Gators as we will be previewing that on tomorrow's episode with some predictions and getting you ready for the game. In order to never miss a show, you can subscribe as well as rate and review on iTunes and listen to Locked On Gators anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter. Never miss an episode by following at Locked On Gators, as well as my uh, myself at Zach underscore Goodall and my co-host Demetrius Harvey at Demetrius82. We'll catch up with you guys next time.